Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight as we come on the air, the Gulf Coast bracing for impact as Tropical Storm Laura gains strength and could hit the U.S. as a major hurricane. The National Hurricane Center tonight predicting catastrophic storm surge. The governor of Texas declaring a state of emergency. Tens of thousands evacuating along the Gulf Coast. Oil refineries shutting down when that powerful hurricane will hit. 2020, America decides. President Trump kicks off the convention, renominated by his party, speaking to the delegates not virtually but in person. First family drama, from First Lady Melania Trump reportedly criticizing Ivanka to the president's older sister calling him a liar. And could son Eric Trump be required to testify under oath? Outrage in Wisconsin. The protests overnight and the National Guard called in to help maintain calm after a black man is shot by police in the back seven times with his three young kids watching. The latest on his condition. Breaking news. Jerry Falwell Jr. resigns as president of the Evangelical Liberty University after disclosing his wife's alleged affair with a pool attendant. Deadly wildfires grow, at least seven dead in those fast-moving California wildfires. Over 1.2 million acres burn, nearly the size of the Grand Canyon. Getting COVID again? Tonight, researchers discover the first case of someone being reinfected with the coronavirus. And finally tonight, the touching tribute from Kobe Bryant's wife on what would have been his 42nd birthday. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin tonight with Tropical Storm Laura and the growing threat it could slam into the Gulf Coast as a Category 3 hurricane in just about 48 hours. 
with millions of Americans in its path. As we come on the air, the governor of Texas is declaring a state of disaster, and coastal cities there and in Louisiana are telling people to get out now. The threat from Laura comes at the same time heavy winds and torrential rains from another storm named Marco are already slamming into the same region tonight. And while Marco is weakening right now, forecasters say Tropical Storm Laura, which has already killed more than a dozen people in Haiti and the Dominican Republic, will only grow stronger and more dangerous. Now that could make it the most powerful storm to hit the area since Hurricanes Katrina and Rita landed one after the other 15 years ago. If that happens, it would upend President Trump's plans to speak at the Republican National Convention on Thursday night or leave him addressing his party while the storm is hitting. The convention, which began today in Charlotte with a roll call vote and a surprise appearance by the president, will continue tonight. The Trump campaign is hoping to use the week-long event to focus on the president's agenda in the face of growing frustration with his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, there's a lot of news to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Janet Shamlin is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the Gulf Coast of Louisiana. Good evening, Janet. Nora, good evening. As the rain and winds pick up here tonight, this part of southeastern Louisiana is under a mandatory evacuation order. It is forcing people north, many of them into shelters, where they will have to deal with two storms this week and COVID. Louisiana highways bumper to bumper. Evacuees trying to get out as a weakening Marco charges in, threatening storm surge and coastal flooding. Obviously, since Katrina, everybody is a little bit more sensitive to any kind of storm coming this way. This shelter in low-lying Plaquemines Parish filling fast, even amid COVID concerns. Teresa France and her daughter left their home. Others stayed behind. So I got two family members down there that we don't know if they're going to make it. Tonight, the Texas coast is bracing as a bigger threat. Laura is looming. We don't have the luxury of time. So the time to prepare is right now. That storm already plowed through Haiti and the Dominican Republic, leaving at least a dozen dead. Have you ever seen two storms at one time approach this region? This is unprecedented. Not only we worry about one hitting today, three days later we worry about another one. Oil platforms across the Gulf have been evacuated, and tonight a big evacuation has been called for the city of Port Arthur, Texas. That impacts tens of thousands of people as they watch the path of this second storm. Nora? Janet Shamlian, thank you. Now let's get the latest storm track from CBS's Lonnie Quinn. Lonnie? Okay, well, you know, Nora, we talk about this one-two punch in the Gulf. If it's a one-two punch, the first punch, Marco, is a, is a light little jab. The second punch, Laura, could be a knockout. Let me show you what we're dealing with. Two storms right now that are about 600 miles apart, but it's Laura that's getting stronger while Marco gets just much weaker with each passing hour. Look at the track that Laura's going to take, making a landfall somewhere around the Louisiana-Texas border. In fact, right on some of the same area that Marco would have been maybe a day or two earlier. It shows there as a Category 2 coming on shore. I need to show you why I'm fearful this could become a Category 3. Earlier this morning, that yellow line shows you where the European had projected the storm to make landfall. That was early this morning. European has been the best performer, Nora, for the last decade or so. That current yellow line off to the west is now outside of the cone. Each model run has been going further west, and if that holds true, there's a batch of superheated water around 90 degrees that could allow that to strengthen to a Category 3. 
it would be a big problem for that Texas, Louisiana area. Either which way, I just think there's a chance it's even stronger than we're fearing right now. And that would be on Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Nora? That's a good explanation, Lonnie. Thank you. The Republican National Convention kicked off today. And for President Trump, who comes into the week trailing by double digits in the polls, it's a chance to reset the debate. But tonight, the president is facing more distractions involving members of his own family. Here's CBS's Ben Tracy. Just minutes after being nominated for a second term by delegates in Charlotte, President Trump took the stage and once again made the unfounded attack that Democrats are rigging the election through mail-in voting. What they're doing is using COVID to steal an election. They're using COVID to defraud the American people, all of our people, of a fair and free election. What the heck are you doing? On Capitol Hill, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, a Republican megadonor, said the president's attacks on mail-in ballots are not helpful. DeJoy denies ordering the removal of hundreds of mail sorting machines and blue mailboxes, moves that could slow down election mail, but says he won't reverse the changes. You won't put the machines back, though? No, I will not. You will not? Will not. You will not. Well, there you go. As the Republicans' four-day convention kicks off, the president is facing several new threats. Today, the New York attorney general confirmed she's investigating the Trump organization's finances and wants a judge to force Eric Trump, the president's son, to testify. President Trump's longtime aide, Kellyanne Conway, is leaving the White House to focus on her family after her 15-year-old daughter tweeted this weekend that she's devastated her mother is speaking at the Republicans' convention and is officially pushing for emancipation. President Trump is also facing scathing new criticism from his own sister, retired federal judge Marianne Trump Barry. According to audio first obtained by the Washington Post, Barry was recorded by her niece Mary Trump slamming the president. The change of story is a lack of preparation, the lying, the holy sh**. He has no principles, none, none. And there are reports that a forthcoming book by a former confidant of First Lady Melania Trump contains audio recordings of her disparaging the president and her stepdaughter, Ivanka Trump. Meanwhile, today, Joe Biden's running mate Kamala Harris told young people it's essential they vote. I don't need to tell you what is on the line in this race. Donald Trump reminds us every day who he is and how much worse it can get with a second term in office. Now, President Trump will be making an appearance each night at the Republicans' convention. Tonight, he's expected to thank first responders. Other featured speakers tonight include former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and the president's son, Donald Trump Jr. Nora. Ben Tracy at the White House, thank you. And this programming note, we're going to have live coverage of the Republican National Convention. That begins tonight at 10 Eastern, 9 Central Time. Hope you'll join us. Tonight, Wisconsin's governor has sent more than 100 National Guard troops to Kenosha. A curfew is also in effect there following violent protests after police shot a black man in the back several times. Tonight, he's in stable condition. Two officers have been placed on administrative leave. And a warning, what you're about to see is disturbing. CBS's Molalengi reports tonight from Kenosha. This 20 seconds of video taken by eyewitness Sean White shows the moment 29-year-old Jacob Blake was shot in the back by a Kenosha police officer. At least seven bullets were fired. You can see as he walked to the driver's side of an SUV, an officer grabbing Blake's shirt as he got inside. Sean White describes what happened before he started filming. 
One officer had him in a headlock. He was pulling his arm. The other officer had him in a headlock, punching him in his ribs. And he kind of maneuvered out the way, and the female officer tased him. Police were responding to a domestic disturbance call on Sunday evening. Complaint says Jacob Blake isn't supposed to be there, and he took the complainant's keys and refused, is refusing to get them back. Two of the officers involved in the shooting were placed on leave during the investigation. Overnight, anger turned to vandalism. Some set city vehicles ablaze while officers in riot gear clashed with others. This incident comes almost three months to the day. George Floyd was killed in police custody. Attorney Benjamin Crump represents the Floyd family, and now the Blake family, too. It is foreseeable that these things are going to happen if you continue to engage in racism and discrimination and your policies and practices. The eyewitness who didn't want to be shown on camera tells us that Blake scuffled with police before the shooting and that he heard an officer tell Blake to drop the knife, although he never actually saw a knife. Today, the governor deployed 125 members of the National Guard here to help. And tonight, for a second night in a row, a curfew starting at 8 p.m. Nora. Malalengi, thank you. We turn now to those historic California wildfires, more than 600 in just over a week, including two of the largest in the state's history. At least seven people have died and more than a million acres have burned. That is more than four times larger than the area destroyed by fires in a typical year. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Tonight, wildfires have displaced more than nearly 200,000 Californians. Almost a million and a half acres the size of the Grand Canyon are in the firefighting lines. Much of it so rugged, the attack can only be by air. Included in the carnage, the state's oldest skyscrapers. These redwoods have lived hundreds of years, and we're told hundreds of them have been destroyed in what has been a historic and deadly nine days. Fire crews say it could take weeks to extinguish all of the flames. Overnight, 10 more fires started after lightning struck again. It's, it's a tough day today. It's possibly with the hot, dry winds that may hamper some of our control efforts. Tough day and risk for 14,000 firefighters deployed, 96% of California's fighting force, up against the unimagined flaming roads. A firefighter videotaped this driving near Santa Cruz. Statewide, 12,000 structures have been destroyed and another 30,000 threatened. We drove through this entire neighborhood and most of the homes look like this. This home is still smoldering. And keep in mind what you're looking at is just one acre of more than one million scorched. Nora. Just devastating. Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. Turning now to the coronavirus, over the weekend, the average daily death toll fell below 1,000 for the first time in a month. Total deaths in the U.S. now top 177,000. And there is a new concern tonight that people can get COVID-19 more than once. Here's CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. Scientists in Hong Kong say they've confirmed the world's first known coronavirus reinfection in an apparently young and healthy patient who tested positive for COVID-19 four and a half months after the first infection. The news comes amid more concerning behavior. This video shows a maskless crowd packed into a bar near Auburn University. I think it's painful. Dr. Renata Roldan warns progress against the virus can be easily reversed, especially if people let their guard down, as many did on Memorial Day. We still have a long way to go. Yes, we do. There is no pill that I can give you to change your behavior overnight. 
In the meantime, a Florida judge sided with the state's largest teachers union, halting a state order to reopen schools to in-person instruction. But fans will be in the stands for the Miami Dolphins home opener next month at 20% capacity. That's still 13,000 people. Manuel Bojorquez, CBS News, Miami. Tonight, the Oxford vaccine, a leading COVID vaccine candidate, is in advanced trials. And drug maker AstraZeneca says it will be able to produce 3 billion doses. CBS's Charlie Daggett got exclusive access inside the lab that is working to make the company's plans a reality in our series, Racing to a Cure. That could be the very solution to the pandemic the world is waiting for. Even before the final phase of testing and government approval, This is a process development lab. The vaccine is on a massive manufacturing drive. In that particular process, you will be making millions of of vaccines. Millions. Millions of vaccines. In that one run. Absolutely. The challenge, how to scale up from a small vial of vaccine to billions of doses fast. Dr. Clive Glover is director of strategy for Paul Corporation. That process would generally be measured in years and, you know, Five years is not unusual. We were able to design the process, get the equipment into uh, one of our manufacturing partners and run the initial process within eight weeks. Eight weeks? Yeah. So it was a a sprint, (laughs) to say the least. That sprint is now a relay race, and this biotech lab on the south coast of England has the baton. The process starts with a small batch of vaccine. We grow the cells up within this particular bioreactor. And then we use some starter version of the vaccine. It infects the cells that are growing inside here and then allows the vaccine to to, to actually make more of the vaccine itself. The rest is a complex filtering process that screens out impurities until you've got a bag full of vaccines ready for the vials and eventually your arm. This system will be used by manufacturers of the Oxford vaccine around the world all waiting for the go-ahead to start rolling out in record time. Charlie Daggett, CBS News, Portsmouth, England. Today, this bizarre story, Jerry Falwell Jr. suddenly resigned as the head of Liberty University in Virginia. That's the evangelical Christian school founded by his father. In a statement, Falwell said he's seeking help for the emotional toll of an affair his wife had with a pool attendant whom they met when he was just 20 years old. Falwell claims that man tried to blackmail his family, threatening to reveal the affair unless he was paid. Today, California's highest court overturned the death penalty for Scott Peterson, who was convicted of murdering his wife. Lacey Peterson was eight months pregnant when Scott killed her on Christmas Eve 2002, then dumped her body into San Francisco Bay. The court upheld Peterson's conviction but said the trial judge made significant errors in the sentencing phase. Today, meetings, classes, and virtual visits came to a halt after video conferencing giant Zoom was hit with outages. Service was down for close to five hours, delaying the first day of online school for thousands of students. Zoom has close to 300 million daily meeting participants. That's up from 10 million before the pandemic made face-to-face meetings risky. Four years ago, when he retired, the L.A. City Council designated this day, 824, as Kobe Bryant Day. The date representing the two numbers he wore as a Laker. For friends, family and fans, the day is much more poignant this year after his sudden loss. Here's CBS's Jamie Yukis. Today is Kobe Bryant's 30th birthday and we're going 
To celebrate what would have been Kobe Bryant's 42nd birthday Sunday, Lakers star LeBron James shared this 2008 video, reflecting on the loss of his friend, who was killed along with his daughter Gianna and seven others in a helicopter crash in January. The touching tributes reach beyond the basketball court with the L.A. Dodgers on the diamond before Sunday's game and a new ad released by Nike. Better father, better father, better father. Those missing him most honored Bryant on social media with wife Vanessa posting, I wish you and Gigi were here to celebrate you and daughter Natalia, I love you forever and always. Mamba out. A legacy not just as a star athlete but as a husband and father. Jamie Yukis, CBS News, Los Angeles. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, an inspiring story. How a young man went from security guard to third-year medical student at the very same hospital. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you later tonight for our coverage of night one of the Republican National Convention. That's at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. We'll see you then. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Okay. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.